Okay, got to do it. I'm sorry. I don't want to. Cheesy pastor joke of the week. Are you ready? Okay. What happens when you live in California, it's on fire, and you need to talk to God? Smokey the prayer. Okay. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the book of James. It's just great. Uh, I just appreciate uh, the things that James have to say sometimes, and sometimes it's, it's tough, and, and sometimes it's, uh, you know, kicking the pants, and, and it's, um, but it's, it's a good reminder of what Christian life is like, God. Pray for all these things in your name. Amen. Hey, um, if you got your Bibles open up to James 3, just wanted to take a moment, thank all of you. I know Scott said it last week, but I just want to thank you guys. If you had any, 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 any part of Camp Rock at all, thank you. Um, he said it, and I don't want to like underestimate it. Camp Rock and like just vacation Bible school for other not cool churches, you know what I mean? Like, but like Camp Rock does not happen without the support of the church. Like it, it does not function. You know what I mean? Like we lose money on every single child that comes here. Uh, for businesses, you're like, oh, so we don't want children. You know, for churches, it's like, yeah, we want all the children, you know? So um, I just, I could not be happier. Uh, you know, when you're in the thick of it, the week of, you know, and I'm like super hard on myself. And when stuff happens, like tree limbs and trees falling and, and basements flooding and all that stuff, I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when it's Friday and parents are coming and your basement is flooded, uh, you're like, this is terrible. Like, you know what I mean? And um, something special happens to me, at least every, every Camp Rock last week, because we leave it up, you know, for Sunday to see, to let you guys see all the decorations and all that stuff. Last week, I come in. Most people are on vacation, you know, Megan's gone, Bryce is gone, Scott's like in and out, you know, and, um, and I kind of just get to come in and, and tear down the stage, you know, something very simple, but it takes a while, you know, take my time. It's very therapeutic. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking about all the things that happened and all the things that could have happened and all the things that went right and all the things that went wrong. And I'm sitting there and I'm listening to you know, the last week's sermon, because, you know, I was gone, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, kids came to Christ, you know what I mean, like, and, and you sit there, and you're like, who cares about, <laughs> who cares about water in your dirt basement, that doesn't matter, you know, like, who cares, you know, who cares about it, guess what, no one got hurt, you know, and it really puts you in a good perspective, and um, I want to say, I, you know, I want to take all the credit, but, like, that's just not how it works, so I want to thank all of you guys for, for giving, for praying, for sending your children, because dear Lord, you trusted a bunch of me's and, and children, right? So thank you, um, and, and just continue. The, it, Camp Rock's not over. Keep praying for them, those kids who made decisions, those kids who didn't make decisions, because I guarantee you know someone in your life who went to a vacation Bible school, and it changed their life. And, and it might not have been that day, but... Five years down the line, one year down the line, 10 years, 40 years down the line, those seeds were coming out and, and, and people are coming to Christ. So um, thank you. Long-witted thank you. So we're going to uh, continue in the book of James. We're in chapter three uh, here uh, and uh, we're going to start off pretty fun. <laughs> are you ready for this first verse? And I'm giving you guys a warning. There's some serious crowd uh, participation uh, uh, right after this. Okay, you ready? I'm telling you this now so you're not shocked. Are you guys paying attention? Okay, ready? Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, 
For you know that uh, we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Why? There it is. I did it. I brought you in. Why? Because you're teaching, okay? What else? Oh, be loud. It's okay. What if you teach wrong? wrong? (sighs) Okay, Jan, you don't need to... (laughs) Yeah, no, you don't need to call me. (laughs) What else? Because you know more. You know better. What else? Because you're a leader. All those things, right? When I went to under, uh, undergrad school, I, I took a Christian studies program, and uh, my junior, senior year, something like that, doesn't really matter, right? You get to take some electives, and you get to take a special topics class. You get to take two. You have to take two, but you get to because they're fun, and you get to choose. So if you're not having fun, you chose wrong, right? Uh, one of my classes I took was on the book of James, and how it worked was every week you would read the book of James, Right? You'd have one week to do it, and you'd have two to three weeks to read another book that they would give you on the book of James. Right? We spent um, most of the class going through big topics. We went through like wealth and success, and we went through the circle that I showed you guys weeks back, and we did all that stuff. Right? He looked at this verse, and, and, and knowing that this class is meant for people, the future pastors, the future leaders, the future missionaries, the future fill-in-the-blank of church leaders, right? He spent the longest amount of time on the single verse. Why? That was another question. Sorry, I didn't give you. It's important. Why? Why is it important to tell them that? To tell little me that maybe... I should be afraid of becoming a teacher. Maybe that something else is going on. Why? And that's why Gene taught. (laughs) Right? When you stand up here, when you stand in a place and say something, God's going to say, hey, what about you? Now, now we, we like to, and, and for all of us, let's, let's just pretend it's every other week and I'm sitting with you guys and we're looking at Scott, right? And we're sitting there and we're like, yeah, Scott, you, you better get this one right. Oh, you be, oh you're talking about this. You're talking about sarcasm. <laughs> That's funny, right? Like you're ta- okay, right? Guess who else are teachers, folks? When's the last time you taught a kid something that you probably don't have the right to talk about, about sharing and caring, loving your neighbor. Folks, I know one of the hardest places I have ever been is on Saturday night. Not this past Saturday night, but just a general Saturday night where I'm preaching the next day. I'm sitting there and I'm saying, this topic. When a, it was like the second or third time I was preaching here, and I was talking about being in touch with your feelings. I'm sitting there, don't laugh. I'm sitting there on Sunday, Saturday night, I'm saying, man, I'm going to have to confess a lot of stuff. <laughs> I'm going to have to come up there and say, you know what? I'm terrible at this, and I'm not going to give advice, but let's just look at what the Bible says. 
I got this so wrong, so off. I am terrible at this. Let's all look at what the scriptures say. Different approach than, than if Brent goes up here and says, well, I'm very in touch with my feelings and I could sit down with you and I can cry and I could sit there and be emotional with you. And we do it all the time though. We approach situations as the leader, but not really the leader. Now, my, my, my teacher, um, my te- same teacher who, who taught the, the class on James, right, gets up there and he says, the hardest thing that I will, and he is nails. The guy knows everything. He is the leading uh, expert on the topic of hell. The guy is third or fourth debatable on the topic of James, and he's teaching us this. He's te- and he's like, well, you know, like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, you know, to say we got to order some books. You might notice somebody's name on it. Right? And I'm sitting there and there's like, oh, you got to do a book report on the thing I wrote. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, maybe I need to read this one, you know? (laughs) And he's saying this and he's saying the hardest thing, not hell, not James, not anything, the hardest thing I have to teach people is that leaders should be leaders. That leaders should lead. It's bizarre. But we strive after this role, after this position, and I'm using we because we strive after that, but then it gets nitty gritty. It gets difficult. You know what's hard for a lot of pastors? Remembering that like our ministry isn't confined to Sunday morning. That my job of preaching, teaching, and all that stuff does not revolve around Sunday morning. Is that a big part? Absolutely. I need to prepare. Sunday morning does not start on Sunday morning. It starts on like Monday, right? Maybe Sunday night the week before, right? In order to do this, I have to be ready on Saturday. I need to go have a good meal on Saturday night so I feel well, so I can preach the next day. I need to go to bed at a good time. All of this revolves around this one moment. But I can't lie to myself and say, hey, when I'm at a grocery store, maybe I'm still teaching. Maybe I'm still a pastor on Thursday. What does that mean for all of us? Maybe our job doesn't involve necessarily this building. What if our identity with Christ, didn't involve 4,100 First Street. And it involved, insert your address. Insert Safeway. Insert Costco's address. And insert your car. This idea of leadership isn't contained to a single moment of time. It's not contained to a single place. Bosses are leaders, yes, but guess what? You leave, you clock out, you're still a leader. And that's what James is talking about, folks. Remember, this big circle that I, that I talked about weeks and weeks before, this is everything you are. It's not just on Sunday. 
You want to be a leader? Great. You want to be a leader of the church? What are you doing on Monday? What are you doing on Tuesday? What are you doing on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? And then let's talk about Sunday. Right? Because you should know better. Because if you're preaching and talking and telling kids, students, men, women about this stuff, you're not practicing it. What kind of people are you going to develop? I, uh, Bryce has like the hardest job. One, he has to be talented, which is like way out of my control. Like I can't do this, you know, like you guys worship people. I brought a flute on, yeah, never mind. So, like, right, and it's so hard, and, and, and the idea of training people, and not, or not only to be good at creating small groups, at asking the right questions, at doing all this stuff, to develop people who aren't, who aren't just good small group leaders, they're good leaders. They're good people. They're good Christians. Why? Because these leaders are going to develop a certain kind of person, a certain kind of follower. And that's why he spent weeks on this one verse. And, and I'm going to, and I could go further, but I don't want to. Uh, um, is this fair? That's a good question. Maybe think about that. Isn't Jesus all about fairness? Are we all judged the same? What, what is it? What if knowledge is a warning? What if knowledge isn't just free? What if knowledge just comes with a little responsibility with that? Maybe, uh, hey, great, you, you went to school for eight years. How are you different than the guy who didn't? How are you different than the lady who isn't? Maybe there's some baggage with that knowledge. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. Oh, that's good to know, right? That's awesome. We all stumble in many ways, right? Uh, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Now, um, well, let's keep going, actually. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Uh, we're going we're gonna to start talking about little things, all the small things. Right? Uh, uh, so we're going to talk about little things that impact bigger things. Right? When my sister got married, it was one of the cool, like, fairy tale weddings. Right? It was like a vineyard. And it was amazing. It was so, oh, my gosh. It was so cute. Right? Uh, she came down. And it was outside of the vineyard, right? She came down on a horse-drawn carriage. Holy cow, right? Like, <laughs> right? And, and it's amazing. And they got married. Oh, my gosh, everyone's crying, right? And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I want to see those horses. Because I'm, like, not a horse biologist or whatever. But, like, I think it's a Clinesdale. And I think there's two. And it was awesome. And, I, and I'm like, they look big. But they're, like, over there. So I kind of want to see. I walked up to the horses after, right? And I'm like, hey, don't kick me. Because I know that's, like, the I don't know anything about horses. But I know that's, like, the one thing, right? So I'm like, don't kick me. I stand next to this thing. It, on all fours. It's like as tall, taller than me on all fours. This thing is huge. 
And me, being a, you know, a Danville-grown boy, I'm sitting there like, what's the leash on this thing? You know, like, how do you control it? You got a steering wheel, right? And the guy's like, yeah, it's like this little bit. And he, and he removes the bit from the horse's mouth. Folks, the thing's bit, like, smaller than a Twinkie. It's like, that's my, that's my you know, we don't talk about bread, bread boxes. It's like, is it smaller or bigger than a Twinkie, right? It's like this big. This horse is thousands of pounds. Carrying all this carriage, easy, and it's controlled by this. Nothing. Right? Uh, if we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Boats, huge ships, cruise lines. I, we went on a cruise when I was a kid, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, this is a big boat. Right? I'm, not, I'm not a boat biologist, but I'm sitting there, I'm like, this is huge, right? We get on this thing, and you don't even know you're on a boat. You're, you know, like, you're sitting there, and you're like, ooh, well, I can't imagine what a cruise is like, you know? And you get on the cruise, and you're like, nothing's moving. Like, you're, you're going, but, like, it's so big, so large, you can't even tell the thing is going anywhere, right? There's no such thing as, like, motion sickness, right? And you're sitting there, like, wow, this is amazing. I wonder how they can control it. It's got to be, like, on a track, like Disneyland, right? Like, it's all fake. Everything's running underwater, and you can't see it. And... No, it's not. It's run by a rudder. It's, it's big, when you compare it to the boat, it's not even a percentage. Not even percentage. And, and, and miraculously, they don't need to send a tanker out there to, to move the thing, to shift it, right? To move, because uh, it's huge, it's metal. They got the audacity of one guy going like this to turn it. And anyone wants to go out the other way? Huge, massive boat controlled by one guy massive wild animal who can kick you and you'd be out of the picture in seconds controlled by one guy going like this can, can you even tell it's that's all not even strong you don't have to like pull it you don't have to like just a little bit right they're guiding right uh verse five so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. The tongue. Let's get metaphorical. Let's get metaphysical symbology, right? Is this get some, you know? What does the ten represent? Come on. Thoughts. What do you use the tongue for? Tasting, eating, talking, right? You're talking, right? Very small, small percentage of your body. Not big at all. How much does it control? A lot. Little tiny movements in your mouth can ruin someone's day. Little tiny mini air pushing through your mouth making funny noises that we've all agreed are in our words can make someone's day. 
minuscule muscle tenses in your mouth and jaw can guide all of this. Right? When, when I originally was, you know, Scott's like, hey, you know, can you preach? And I'm like, yeah, what chapter? And I knew we were in James. I was like, what chapter verse are we on? He's like, oh, we're just starting off chapter three. And I was like, oh, great. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm, I haven't like read it yet. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, what should I talk about? I'm thinking, and I'm like, oh, the horse, that's like the horse one with the, the boat and the, you know, all that stuff. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to, to, to ask the gotcha question of what is your little thing? right, in your life? What's your little thing, right? What's your thing that's like, it's not big, but it's really important, right? It's not that important. It's just, it's, it's very small and minuscule and a very small percentage. And it can be something like your tongue. It could be something like this. It could be something like, um, I, don't, I don't know, relationship, whatever it is, right? Something very small when you look at it, the grand scheme of things. What is that for you guys? That's a great question to ask. It's an appropriate question to ask. But that's not the question that James is asking. That's not, the, that's not the question that James is telling us to ask. Remember, it says, we all stumble in many ways. Yes, we all mess up. Yes, we all have other small things. But I want for this one second, for all of us, because we all mess up in this one way, to think about our words. Because the words, not, not, let's not worry about other people. Our words guide the ship. The, the, it shows which way to the horse to go. Right? And, and, and even though there's other um, influences, like water, like wind, like the horse's intuition, our tongue, our words are going to have a bigger influence on our lives, Right? Uh, let's continue on. How great a forest fire. Let's keep going with the same idea. You might have a paragraph change, not paragraph change for James, right? It keeps going, right? How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small flame. It's, it's sad, but I can almost always use this, um, symbol because we always understand it in California. 99 times out of hundred when there's fires, how does it start? People. Small. Firecracker. Cigarette. All these little things that are meaningless, pointless, set the state on fire. <laughs> and yet we approach our words like, ah, it's no big deal. I could say what I, I'm an open book. I could say whatever. I could say what's on my mind. That's a good thing, right? And we sit there and, and guess what? We're sitting on a, a pile of flammable material saying, I have a lighter, doesn't really matter what I do with it. It matters, right? Lightning, yeah, another great one, right? Something that usually is not a big deal. It's just, it's just something that goes off, starts a huge fire, right? Uh, verse six, and the tongue is a fire. It's not like a fire, it is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. We're sitting on a world of unrighteousness. We're sitting on a pile of bonfire and fuel and gas with a lighter. Our tongue is a fire. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. 
for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Strength of man, capability of man. But guess what? But no human being can tame the tongue. Look at all the things, all the great, amazing things that we've done. And we don't have a chance to control what we say. The one thing that you would think we have complete control over, we have no chance of. We see wolves in the forest. We've made them little chihuahuas. Right? We, we see natural disaster and we can control it. Right? We see wind and power. It's the sun. We've turned it into a battery, folks. Amazing things. We can't control what we say. I don't get it. I wish I could sit up, stand up here and be like, well, if you do this, we do this, we do this. Uh, guess what? James has already said, we can't. We're going to fail, right? It is a ruthless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Man, flashback to 10 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago, when we're talking about, oh, yeah, Bryce, is, it's got a hard job because, oh, you know, it's not just about being a leader in small group. You've got to be a leader all the time. And bosses, you can't just be a leader at your work site. You've got to be, a, and dads and moms, all the time, right? We, 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 lead, we, we take this moment and we say, hell lost another one. I am free, baby. Let's go. And we leave, whoo, hell got another one back, right? Like, what, what happened? Is that door magic? Right? Let's keep going. You might tell us. Uh, with it, oh, uh, verse 10. Uh, From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Why does a spring... Uh, pour forth from it the same opening, both fresh and salt water. When you come a spring and you want to see if it's safe, uh, do you, at one moment you're like, oh, it's fresh water. This is great. Oh, this is ocean water. Or, or if I can make it more James appropriate, oh, this is fresh water, but on Monday to Saturday, it's poison. Is that possible? No. It's either good or bad. This spring can't be both. And here's another example. Verse 12. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. I know nothing about gardening. I want to tell you guys. I, I know you're like, oh, oh, I get it. <laughs> right? I know nothing right? I know if I walk up to an apple tree, you tell me it's an apple tree and there's no apples, I'm going to believe you. It could be a bush. I don't know. It could be a vine. I don't know what makes it a vegetable. I don't know, right? You could sit there and you look at it and be like, oh, that's an apple tree. If I walk up and there's an apple, oh, that's an apple tree. At any point, if I see an apple on that tree, it's an apple tree, right? doesn't matter what day it is. doesn't matter what season it is. Oh, that's an apple tree, right? It, even though I know nothing about gardening, if I walk up 
and I see oranges on that apple tree, I would say, hmm, maybe I don't know what's going on here. Maybe I'm confused. I don't question the tree. Maybe, maybe it's, oh, my understanding of the tree is wrong. Remember who's James dealing with here? And it was a long time ago, right? James is talking to all believers everywhere. He's not talking to a, a specific church, unlike most of the New Testament. He's not talking to a specific believer, even like, like a lot of Paul's stuff, right? He's talking to anyone. So he's saying, hey, if we meet on the street... And you say you're an apple, but you look like an orange? Maybe not an apple. If I meet you at the market and you say you're pouring fresh water, baby, I'm, I'm letting all the, the fresh water go and, oh, life, oh, good, I'm pouring into people. And I get close to you? And this is James, this is me. Hey, that water's... Why is that? Is it the problem of the is it the is it me? See, as Christians in the 2000s, we 90s 2000s, we developed this very good, very very good, but potentially dangerous problem. We said there should be nothing in between me, us and them, the people outside. There should be no differences between Christians and non-Christians. We should just be welcoming. We should love people. We should bring them in and do all this. Yes, obviously. If a non-believer comes in and sits down, they shouldn't feel like, is this guy? Why are you wearing that, dude? You, got, you have a tattoo? Oh, my God. Read the Old Testament, right? <laughs> like, well, they shouldn't feel like that. But what's the point of coming to Christ if your life is the same? What's the point of coming to Christ if, if 10 years from now, you've done nothing? Nothing is accomplished. Nothing is different. You go to summer camp. We go, we go to winter camp, summer camp, Camp Rock. And I always, always, always fall into this trap of saying, yeah, it was a success because we got X amount of kids. They, they did this. They did that. We had fun. It was safe. No one got hurt, right? All good things. All good things. But you know what I always try to do? I forget about it sometimes because I'm a forgetful person, right? What if in a month from now, two months from now, six months from now, a year, two years, I look back and say, was Camp Rock a success? How many lives were changed long term? It wasn't just a single hand raise. It wasn't just a single emotional response. It wasn't because all the cool kids were doing it. It wasn't because my friend did it. Actual life change. May the Lord bless the reading of his word, amen. I got, I got a couple things for you. And it's all about words, all about these small things, right? And the first one I'm going to talk about are words, our our words are powerful. Does it guide or does it destroy? Our words are powerful. Does it guide 
or does it destroy? Verse 3, if we put mouths in the... Did you, did you catch the like, patterns there? Small thing, influence big thing. Why? For control. Bits, small thing. Horses, big thing. So that the writer can control his little body. Boat, big thing. Rudder, small thing, controlled by one person. Tongue, small thing, whole body, big thing. Whole body sent to hell. Control, is, is it for guidance? Is it to say, hey, this is where we should go. You're having these hard conversations, right? Where, where we need to, we need, we're like this, we're going this way, and we need to just kind of move it this way. Right? We need to move away from this type of thinking, these types of actions. We need to go towards something like this. That's guidance, folks. The difference, and here's, here's what a lot of people miss about guidance, is that you got to say, okay, let's, let's move towards this. Let's move towards life change. We sit here and say, you're doing everything wrong. You are a terrible human being. Everything you do is wrong, sinful. Get out of my life. That's it, you know. That's destruction. If you move away, if you say that this is all wrong, and I'm not going to help you, I'm not going to be here for you, I'm not going to say, hey, let's work through this. Let's, let's start meeting. Let's start talking because this isn't right. Let's start going towards this. If you don't do that, all you're doing is tearing down. And remember, James isn't talking about your buddy. Jesus, James isn't talking about your wife, your husband, your cousin, your neighbor, your boss, your employees. He's not talking about any of that. He's talking to us me insert me into you right he's talking specifically to me saying am i having this conversation to guide or destroy this isn't in your notes but if you want to this is a great question to ask every time you're having a conversation about to have a conversation whatever it's very simple you should be able to memorize it i am speaking in order to I am speaking in order to blank, fill in the blank. I'm about to have this hard conversation because they're wrong and I want mine. They, they've said these things to me and they've done these things and I need to get it off my chest. What does that sound like? Guidance or destroy? I have a brother or sister in Christ. I've been there. They're blind. And I want to help them. And I, I, I have sat in that same position where you think you're doing everything right. And magically, everyone is wrong but you. Right? And, and you're sitting there in, in blindness. And I've sat there. And I want to help. Let's start meet, let's start talking. Let's start working through these things. Let's let's step process. Okay, you, go, you let's meet with fill in blank counselor, whatever it is. 
What does that sound like? Does that sound like destruction? Does that sound like, oh, I want to destroy who you are as a person. I want to mess you up. No. I am speaking in order to fill in the blank. Our words are powerful. Does it guide or does it destroy? Our words are powerful. Maybe it didn't hurt the first time, right? Uh, Our words are powerful. Treat them with respect. I want to put a picture in your mind, and I hope it's shocking. Close your eyes. You're in a room, in a living room, let's say. Closed doors. It's you and a five-year-old. There's a table in the middle, and there's a loaded gun on that table. What feelings do you have right now? Shocked, alarmed. You need to do something. Folks, that's the respect that I'm talking about. There, you can't leave. If you leave, something bad is going to happen. If you don't do anything, if you don't say anything, terrible things will happen. You can't just be like, oh, I don't know. I got, here you go, five year old, you know what to do. Oh, I'm scared. And you try, no. Get the kid out of the room. Do something. We treat our words with little to no respect. I would like to blame the internet. When I first wrote this, I said, it's the internet's fault. Dang kids and their internet and their face Twitters, right? You sit, you sit there and you say, and those aren't human beings, right? Here's the problem with that, folks. James is writing this before the internet. <laughs> He's writing this before the, the so-called problem of the internet was a thing. Guess what? Maybe it's not Twitter. Maybe it's not Facebook. Maybe it's not Google. Maybe it's not texting, emails, any of that. Maybe it's the person sending it. What if after I send a mean text message, after I write an insensitive email, after I sent that thing, post, whatever it is that is meant to destroy and not guide, I don't blame the product I use to send it. And it's so bizarre because I was sitting there for hours thinking, yeah, that's the problem, internet. Thank you. Get up. (laughs) It's so easy for us to blame anything, anything, not even people, anything, but ourselves. That's why James, so much of the time, is not bringing up your family. He's not bringing up your neighbors. He's not bringing up other, other people in your church. He's keeping the attention right on us the entire time. Our, uh, another good question to ask. This is a great question, okay? This conversation could... What is the potential of the conversation that you are having? How impactful is the conversation that you're having? If you truly honestly believe that it's, it's no big deal, nothing can happen, sure, say whatever you want. 
I could, I could speak whatever I want. I could cuss. I could swear. I could do whatever. I could accuse them of whatever because it's no impact. When we enter in a conversation, answering this question of this conversation could change a life. Make someone's day. Because we're going with respect. Destroy someone's life. Destroy someone's day. And folks, this doesn't stop with conversations. If we look at things, Camp Rock, summer camp, uh, Mexico, and we just say it's a fun way to get a taco. It is. But if that's all it is, does it really matter what we do? If we look at Camp Rock and we just say it's just a way to give parents a couple hours off a day. Does it really matter what we do? If the highest potential of this conversation is for weird sounds to come out and then received, doesn't matter what, it, what those weird sounds are. But if I approach a conversation with that, that same fear I have as a, of a loaded gun on a table with a baby, I better check myself. I better pray. I'm, maybe I should pray to God before I have this conversation. Because this is a big. This is important. Our words are powerful. Does it guide or does it destroy? Our words are powerful. Treat them with respect. And lastly, our words are, fill it in, folks. Powerful. Thank you. You all got it. They show what's on the inside. We, 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 we played around it a lot with the tree and the spring and all that stuff. But, but this idea of not showing our words respect has grown. It's grown to the gr- degree that it doesn't matter who you are, you could say whatever. It doesn't matter who you are, what you believe, it doesn't matter any of that stuff, you have the right to spit all the poison you want. And I'm not going to say anything. You walk up to an apple tree and it's producing oranges, what is it? What does that mean for us? You mean Brent on the street? He's flipping people off and punching kids? He had a hard day at youth group, man. That Eli kid. <laughs> Do you say, oh, but he did all the other times. All those other times, he was so great. He's so good with kids. Immediate red flag. As it should. Because guess what, folks? That spring, that freshwater spring that gives life, isn't spitting out poison. It's not spitting out salt water. It's who it is. The, the water doesn't identify it, right? That orange tree doesn't mean, just because it doesn't have an orange on the tree doesn't mean it's an orange. But guess what? When it's got fruit, they will know we are Christians by You guys aren't ready for that. It's okay. Let me pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for today.
We thank you for the power that we have as leaders, the responsibility that we have as leaders. That we, that we don't approach that with any um, irrespect, irreverence, that we approach it with all due respect uh, that, that it deserves, God. That we leave here today knowing that church is just beginning, that the Sunday sermon is just beginning, that, that when it closes, when we leave, it's, it's not like the sermon has ended. It has just begun, that we start a work it's going to last a lifetime, God. I pray uh, for this offering, God, if anyone's new or, or visiting, God, that they don't feel any obligation to give, but they simply understand what we do as a church family, God. Pray for all these things in your glorious name. Amen. Uh, couple things. Mark it on your calendars if you didn't. Saturday, 1 p.m. Support that family. It's hard, obviously. Um, the La Palabra, the Spanish church that meets, is celebrating 25 years today. So if you see them like sprinting around campus trying to set anything up, congratulate them because that is huge. Like, look at church statistics. That doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Like, so congratulate them. Pray for them. All that good stuff. Go start the sermon out there, you know, do whatever, start talking, tell, teach, whatever that is for you starts now, right? Always go with him. Have a great day.